This podcast is sponsored by GCK Consulting, a next generation political consulting firm. From fundraising to polling to campaign strategy, GCK is helping get millennials elected all across the country. To learn more about GCK and their services, just go to gckconsults.com. Again, that's gckconsults.com. All right, now to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Millennial Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Valerie. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And today I'm joined by Naomi Burton and Nick Hayes, the creators of Means Media, a democratically operated media company building power for the left. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us, Jordan Valerie. Yeah, thanks. Of course. So our listeners are probably familiar with your work through the viral ads Means of Production did for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Kaniela Ng for their 2018 congressional campaigns. Can you tell us how you got involved with them and how Means has progressed since? Yeah, um, so we got involved with uh, Alexandria and Kaniela, both just by reaching out on Twitter, basically. Um, When they were, you know, at various stages of their campaign with Alexandria, it was early on in her campaign. With Kaniela, it was a little bit later. Um, But yeah, we just reached out over Twitter, connected with them. Uh, and did those campaign videos with the whole goal of creating authentic campaign advertising, uh, campaign propaganda for like socialists, for leftists, for people who, you know, traditionally don't have access to high quality film. And what inspired you to start Means in the first place? Yeah, so Nick and I come from some of the, uh, you know, I come from kind of corporate marketing. Uh, Nick comes from commercial film. And, you know, working in both those industries in the private industry or in the private sector, we really realized that, you know, film is a tool that is uh, uh, incredibly helpful in communicating a message. And high quality film is basically only uh, provided to the wealthiest corporations. They're the only ones who get uh, the top of the line stuff. And we thought that was um, unfair. So essentially, we took, uh, you know, kind of the skills and resources that we gleaned from the private sector and decided to start Means of Production. And what exactly has happened with Means of Production since the midterms have happened? Yeah, so, you know, basically we continue to do work for uh, like-minded uh, policy-like proposals. Um, you know, we're working with Sunrise uh, Movement, doing videos with them. So we're continuing to, you know, drive uh, messaging, stuff like that uh, outside of the election cycles. Yeah, I'd say we did probably about 10 videos um, in 2018. And um, like Nick said, working with Sunrise to create some documentaries around climate change. Um, yeah, and finding different issues and, and candidates we can, um, you know, work with this year. And obviously, in the mainstream, there's a lot of demonizing of socialism and misunderstanding of what exactly the left is you know, equating leftism with liberalism. Can you define kind of the terms you're using here? What exactly does socialism mean? Yeah, so to us and to basically anybody who self-identifies as a socialist, like when it's distilled to its core, socialism means worker control of the economy. And that means greater democracy, right? That means uh, people being able to have control, uh, democratic control over their own workplaces, basically. So 
like one way we talk about that, like what socialism is, is cooperatives, right? And so we're a cooperative. And the idea of a worker cooperative is that, you know, if you join a company, you know, you work there for a year or two, you then gain voting rights the same as anybody else in that business. So if people are going to get a raise or one person's going to get a raise, like everybody has to approve that. And that dramatically changes the entire landscape of um, business, of markets, all of that. Um, so that's just one example of socialism that exists, you know, in capitalism now. And why electoral politics? There's a lot of debate on the left about the worthiness of getting involved in electoral politics. What is your perspective on that? I mean, electoral politics takes a lot of time and energy. And I think anybody who's worked on a campaign or been a part of a campaign um, understands that. And it's a it's really disappointing, uh, you know, if those campaigns aren't successful, that a lot of that energy doesn't go anywhere. Um, so a big reason that we're creating, you know, Means TV, this entertainment side, is to kind of have a long-standing media platform for, you know, people who may not have won their races but are political influences and who's, who's I, who people whose ideas deserve a platform. Yeah, and like I think we see that on the right and in sort of liberal spaces, right, where you have somebody like um, even like Beto O'Rourke who like runs for office, doesn't necessarily get it. And then maybe they land like a show as a pundit or something like that after. And so then they're making a cushy salary up until they want to run for office again. They have far more public name recognition. They have far more uh, support and resources this next time around. And so, you know, there's purposefully, because we exist under a system that doesn't want any sort of left contingent, there's no structure like that for, you know, leftists. So we hope that in addition to being a home for creators and filmmakers, we can prop up a lot of these figures on the left that should still be talking to people even if they didn't win their race. And what were the successes and failures of the 2018 midterms and what did you learn from them? I think there was a lot of successes to take away and I think a lot of people should feel like, um, you know, they really pulled off like incredible things, um, even in races that weren't won necessarily. You know, what, what we really learned, I think what a lot of people learned is that authenticity is what puts these candidates over the edge and you can't fake authenticity. And so I think that has like the democratic establishment, a lot of the conservative, conservative establishment scrambling because there's, you know, they're, they're trying these different ways to kind of come off as authentic, right? But they're all these kind of like Hillary Clinton, Cedar Rapids moments where it's like, um, just disconnect, right? So, um, I think, I think that's the biggest takeaway is that more and more working people, non-voters, young people, want authenticity and people who have a leftist politics that they identify with. And with the 2019 legislative sessions beginning, what have we seen as the rewards of electing these leftists into office? Yeah, I mean, I think you have, um, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, people like Alexandria or Ilhan or Rashida who, you know, really are responsive to their constituents and to their communities. And they're, you know, so close to that, that you know, they're making waves already. I think, you know, just the progress that they've been able to make, the the policies that they've been able to put on the table in the first two months is more than we've seen out of any Democrats in, in my lifetime, that's certainly for sure. So, you know, uh, yeah, I think that they've they've made a huge impact in the short amount of time and, they've been on that. And I think they've opened up a lot of space too. And, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what electoral stuff can really do for culture and for you know, things outside of electoralism, right, is like before Bernie Sanders, nobody was talking about socialism. 
and now we're all talking about socialism and now it's super cool and totally fine and like all the young kids are into socialism and that's largely because of this you know victory with alexandria so um you know i think it, it it's it's hard you can't say electoralism just exists within the electoral sphere just mm-hmm. like how you can't say culture fully exists within the cultural sphere mm-hmm. And could you dig into really the power of film as a storytelling medium? Why was it that the ad with Alexandria resonated so much with so many people even outside of her district? I think film is wildly relatable. Like it's it's a medium that is almost dangerously uh, relatable to people. And that's why like advertising is so effective and why uh, film and television goes so far to, uh, you know, dictate our culture. It's like under a, you know, sort of functioning socialist society, there should be limitations on, you know, what, like probably what, like people shouldn't be able to be just barraged with advertising all day through the form of video. Like that's, that's what, that does things to people's brain. It's not good. So it's very powerful. And it's just about using that power for good and not evil. I think that is like the big difference maker you know, because we do no work for corporations. So, we get to speak in an inherently like pro-worker language that other folks, you know, who dabble in electoral stuff and then go back to doing commercials for, you know, whatever evil company, they don't, it's, it's, uh, it's just harder, understandably, for them to use like authentic working class language. Yeah. And I think it's also, you know, it's just an example of how, you know, not only were the visuals incredibly relatable, like, you know, her, like the tile in her bathroom is exactly the same tile that's in my bathroom. You know, the scenes are the, are real scenes that everybody else kind of goes through that normally we see in film and they're kind of staged and it, you know, it, it never really feels exactly like our house. So, you know, not only like the imagery, but her message, like it, you know, was really one of the first times that I felt like someone was able to kind of speak to bold new ideas through her experience um, and kind of get that across authentically and um, yeah, like being clearly. unafraid to say socialism was like yeah. what drew us to her in the first place. Mm-hmm. And um, like, you know, why a lot of these cultural changes has happened is that she's a socialist. She has socialist politics like, um, you know, that she can big. articulate it well. Yeah. Hey, everyone. I'm Nathan. And I'm Dylan. And as you know, Millennial Politics is totally independent and volunteer run. That means every podcast you listen to, every article you read, and every tweet you see is created by a dedicated team of volunteers. It also means that we can say what we want to say when we want to say it, but we rely on listeners just like you to support our work. We hope you'll consider supporting us by subscribing at patreon.com slash millenpolitics. Every dollar will go directly towards our mission of shining a spotlight on progressive candidates, causes, and organizations. And if you subscribe at the ambassador level or more, we'll send you a free copy of How Our Government Really Works Despite What They Say. It's an award-winning book about the intricacies of American government, and you'll get to join our exclusive ambassador Slack channel and get to hang out with us all day, every day. I pretty much live there. So if that appeals to you, come join us. And we want to give a very special shout out to our executive producer, Greg Stevens, and our producers, Brad Tracy and Renee Garcia Brown. Again, if you want to continue hearing interviews and conversations just like this one, we hope you'll visit patreon.com slash millenpolitics. That's patreon.com slash M-I-L-L-E-N politics and join the movement. All right, now back to the show. 
And going into 2020, are there any particular candidates or races that you're really invested in? I mean, we're really close with Justice Democrats and, you know, we want to support them in the primary challenges they're leading. So, you know, that's, I think, priority there. Um, but, you know, like always, like we want to help socialists, like, you know, progressivism is a brand that is easily co-opted, um, you know, and not to diss progressivism, but it's much harder for people to go out on a limb and say, I'm a socialist. I believe in a worker-owned economy. Like, I believe in a transformative change to the status quo. I don't believe we can tweak or reform or legislate necessarily our ways out of these huge intractable problems like systemic racism or, uh, you know, our wage economy, like all these different things. We want to empower those candidates. Yeah, we want to empower socialist candidates, mm-hmm. firstly. Could you dig a little more into kind of the reform versus revolution dynamic you're talking about? That's like we're engaged in means of production and we're engaged in means TV, right? And so it's like you have two very separate, they're totally separate businesses um, doing very different things. Like one exists within a kind of more establishment space doing like more reformist work, like we're working in the electoral realm. Um, and we think that there's value to that. We think it's important as socialists to like work to improve people's material conditions now and not exclusively exist within sort of utopian thinking and world building. But at the same time, I think it's, it's very easy for any movement to get lost in that kind of day to day fight. And we need to have a sort of cultural movement as well that thinks about, you know, what world do we want to live in? Like what kind of economy is is just and fair uh and so yeah i think we need both you know and i i I think i believe like i think naomi and i are both on the same page that you know we're not gonna yeah like legislate our way out of these problems like these are huge intractable problems of american empire like um it's much more complex than that and it requires working people coming to that together and and building real solidarity and power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we just think that that, you know, revolution piece, like a lot of that starts in our culture and our entertainment. And we can't expect, or, you know, we shouldn't expect our, you know, public servants to be leading the charge on that. Um, and yeah, that's, you know, 2018 was really informative in that way, just trying to figure out, uh, yeah, how we could kind of balance the two. And what messages do you think our media currently sends about these themes of empire and class? I don't think they send any. I think they don't mention it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think generally, like, the people we see on TV, uh, like, not in entertainment spaces. In entertainment spaces, like, a lot of the comedians you see all day are, like, vastly underpaid. But these guys sitting behind a desk, you know, at a news station are getting 30, 40 million a year basically being paid as a mouthpiece by like Jeff Bezos or somebody who like owns the Washington Post. And so it's, you know, we, we live the idea that like we judge these other countries like Russia or like North Korea and we act as though like their media structures are just these propaganda vessels is very hypocritical because, you know, all of our media in the U.S. is, you know, none of it's cooperative, none of it's worker owned, none of it's in any way democratic. It's all top down. It's all billionaires and millionaires, Mm -hmm. you know, deciding what can and can't be said. And, you know, things get killed. There's like, there's uh, a myriad of ways in which that biases plays out. Um, And so, yeah, like we live in a hyper propagandistic, hyper militaristic, like news and media culture. And so, uh, yeah, like we just desperately need to build some, some structures outside of that. 
You're doing pretty exciting work with a new streaming service. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. So Means TV is a post-capitalist streaming network, um, and it'll have original and like acquired TV shows, movies, documentaries, talk shows, animated series, um, and everything on there will be anti-capitalist in nature. So it'll take we'll take no money from corporate sponsors. You're not going to see like us doing like branded you know content <laughs> like none of that. Uh, there's no advertisers. It's all subscriber funded, right? Yeah, and we're basically saying. Instead of rich dudes in Hollywood, uh, if working people had kind of democratic say and ownership over the creation of our movies and our TV, not only would they just be funnier, like they would be better overall, but it would actually be, you know, it would be more empowering. The ideas, the worlds we would build would be much larger than what we're given right now. Yeah. And, and you know, the idea is that like um, all entertainment is political, mm-hmm. like anything you see on screen like is has a bias, has like a a propaganda value, right? And so to think that like like Netflix is like apolitical or just has like a sort of liberal bias is like totally understating, you know, the fact that their CEO, like just him alone, he finances like the privatization of LA public schools, which is the largest public school district in the country. Mm -hmm. So it's like, there's all these different elements wrapped up in there. And um, yeah, we, working people are totally capable of Uh, owning and operating the means of television production. Mm -hmm. And could you tell us a little bit, uh, you know, maybe tease some of the content that'll be on Means TV? Yeah, I mean, a lot of what we're trying to create is, um, you know, like a sort of approximation of what's been marketably successful, but tweaking it for like working audiences, young audiences. Um, So, you know, we've talked about like, animated series, like a family comedy sort of thing, like The Simpsons, but maybe in an anarchist uh, commune after the fall of capitalism. Um, you know, we're going to have content during this upcoming campaign that's like uh, like YouTube advice about how to survive the climate apocalypse. Like, it's just a, a cynical sense of humor, like, a, like that young people sort of share, just staring down the barrel of you know, climate change and all these horrific political consequences from past generations. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, yeah, unrepresented. And so it's time to just like laugh about how none of us can access healthcare, you know, because what else can we do? <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah, like serious dramas to animated, you know, comedy TV shows to something like Broad City. But again, like if it were made with kind of like a pro worker, anti sexist uh, message, we think it'd be a lot better. And I think Nick mentioned, so, uh, you know, because this is kind of hard for a lot of people to get their heads around, like, well, how is this different? What is this? We're launching at the end of March, we're launching like 10 weeks of free content that we'll be putting out across our social media channels as a way, to, as kind of a proof of concept to show people what some of this content could look like. Um, and we're hoping to raise a, a, enough money to fund a year's worth of content for that eventual platform. Yeah, and it's and it's worth noting too, like not to just tack another thing on, but like there, you know, there's a thing called Vet TV. There's like uh, all sorts of independent wrestling networks. Um, like these sorts of structures exist for other markets and other demos that are very niche or whatever. And it's like the left is 50% of young of people under 30, right? I de- like prefer socialism over capitalism. There's no market serving them, so this is just a like a a long overdue response. And how can folks learn more about Means TV and support this project? 
Yeah, they can go to means.media and that's where they can find all the information about Means TV when our, our uh, fundraising campaign launches at the end of the month. Everything will be there. Also, we're on uh, Facebook at Means TV and on Twitter, Means TV. Means underscore TV on Twitter. I always forget that. (laughs) And what advice would you give to young artists and filmmakers who are leftists and want to pursue the kind of ideological work that you're doing? I would say uh, we're working as hard as we can to save you, like, because it's truly a bleak media landscape. If you're a young person, like I'm a young person, like staring down the the choices that you have. It's like you're working for like a cool, trendy, like hip media company, but then you're cutting like promotional content for the Saudi empire, you know? And it's like, uh, it's extremely soul sucking, especially if you have kind of a political awareness about these things going on around you. Um, and so I would say like find projects that you're passionate about. Don't beat yourself up about what you have to do to make a living. Like, make a living, do what you have to do. Um, and, uh, like, yeah, build power within your community and like reach out to us. We would love to connect. Yeah. We hope to build a structure that a lot more people can tap into. And, uh, you know, and again, if you're working a corporate job, um, take all the expertise and the resources and everything you're getting from that job and, you know, remember those and, uh, and bring them over to the left. Yeah, and steal office supplies too. Oh, yeah. Okay, awesome. That's a good piece of advice to conclude on. Um, well, thank you both so much for coming on to the podcast. I think the work you're doing is really awesome. A lot of our listeners are definitely inspired by it. And we hope to catch up with you in the future to hear about all the progress you're making. Totally. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks so much. Of course. And to our listeners, if you want to hear more great interviews with folks like Naomi and Nick, make sure to follow Millennial Politics on social media and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Mm